This is Mid-Missouri's Total Sports Station. KTGR, and it's time to get big. That was a big-time answer right there. You've got the big show with Andy and Brent serving up sports talk from Mizzou to the pros. And everything in between. Join us now on the KTGR hotline and sound off on today's biggest stories in sports. The big show starts now. You bet it does. Welcome into this Monday edition of The Big Show on ESPN 100.5 and 105.1 KTGR, your total sports station in Mid-Missouri. Thanks for tuning in online at KTGR.com and on the KTGR app. It's Andy Humphrey, Brendan Schaefer, producer Chris, with you at the start of your Thanksgiving week. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody out there. Uh, And man... Has it been a wild last few days? It's not done because tonight it's a big game to talk about. As you were just hearing, the National Sports Center. Who you got, Chiefs or Eagles, for Monday Night Football in the Super Bowl rematch? And uh, several Mizzou things I think to talk about, Brendan, from uh, from the last few days. Several. I'm largely going to be positive on the Mizzou stuff as well, much good. as I can. That's good. Um, I'm glad. Because the football team got the win. That is the result that happened in the football game. (laughs) You are correct, Uh, sir. Ding. And so that's, you know what? It's no, it's November still. So that's where we, that's where we keep our focus. And any other sports the university may evolve itself in is not my problem right now. So what do you mean? It's still football season, so I don't have to face the reality. It's very unfair to Mizzou wrestling, who just had a dominant win over Arizona State, a ranked team. For that, this past uh, for that, this past somebody dominated this weekend. That's good. Someone dominated. So uh, we'll we'll get to uh, Mizzou football just eking it out here in a few minutes. And maybe, namely, with uh, Mizzou men's basketball and what the bleep Uh happened. It's a problem. At 525. Yep. So uh, plenty of things to get to, even some Cardinals talk. They made some uh, some moves today. So we'll get to that at 545. And uh, college football talk, as always, with Bill Connolly of ESPN as we get closer and closer to the end of the college football regular season, final week. So we'll get uh, Bill C's thoughts coming up at 425. If you want to join us, 875-KTGR is how you do it. You can also tweet us at KTGR Big Show and find us on Facebook, too, at Facebook.com slash KTGR Big Show. Now, the Big Show's Big Deal. I guess we can start with the positive. Yeah, Mizzou football squeaked out a win over Florida at home. It was looking kind of bleak for the first 59 minutes, but then Brady Cook happened, and Luther Burden happened, and Mookie Cooper happened, and then Harrison Mevis happened. And the Tigers got a 33-31 victory over Florida in the final seconds with that 31-yard field goal from Mevis. And uh, the Tigers are 9-2, and two, heading into their final game against Arkansas on Friday night. You can hear it on KTGR with coverage starting at noon. Getting the uh, SEC awards as well. Brady Cook is the co-offensive off, offensive player of the week. Xavier Delgado, offensive lineman of the week. And Harrison Mevis, special teams player of the week, named by the SEC earlier today. Mizzou men's basketball, oof. Melted down in the final minute against Jackson State. They lost 73-72 to at Mizzou Arena. They're 3-2 and overall. And that is the Big Show's big deal on this 20th day of November 2023. 875-KTGR if you want to call or text us here on the show. But let's get to Mizzou football first because, man, that game. Uh, of course, Mizzou fans would have liked to see Mizzou win by more. And they were, posi- they were in position to do so. 
but a few too many times they settled for field goals instead of getting touchdowns. The defense was a lot more porous this oh past week. Oh, my goodness. And uh, that's the result. Is a word you could use. Yeah, porous, yes. Um, that's but, one but, word. Yeah, yeah, I, I got it. The worst, the, the worst that could um, that could have happened almost happened. But the way the Mizzou played still did not result in a loss, and I think that's the promising thing, is that Mizzou played they below, below their standard <laughs> from the last few weeks or so. It, they played worse than they did when they were at Georgia. Like, right? Like, they clearly did. And still oh, won that game. By far worse than they played against Georgia. Yeah. 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 Not even close. And so, I mean, you're, you're talking about a team that had been getting better and better as the season had gone along. And this was a, a little bit of a setback. But yet, Brady Cook found a way and on 4th and 17, found Luther Burden, and the rest is history. I just, uh, I, I don't think it's a season-saving type of drive, but, I mean, seems pretty close, right? You know, uh, one of the more important drives of the season, I would think. I don't know why you wouldn't describe it as a season-saving drive. It was. It, it absolutely was. Because you're not, you're not sniffing a New Year's Six Bowl if you yeah. don't come up with the, the rabbit out of the hat in that spot. And I think that's meaningful. I think it would be very meaningful to be able to finish the season ranked in the top ten, which they can still do, to go to a New Year's Six Bowl, which they can still do, without coming up with that last gasp with a minute 36, uh, 36 seconds on the clock after Florida takes the lead. they None of that is still on the table for Missouri, and they somehow found a way in those moments to do it. So, yeah, I would say it is a, a season saving or at least a season altering for the better uh, type of drive for the Tigers. Well, and now it how it happened and what was on the line for sure. Uh, and the, the fact that you had, I think it was a 0.1% chance to win the game on fourth and 17. I think that's what the, the win probability chart said at the Is very that last moment. It, it sure did. <laughs> like, that was point. 1% as low as it could get pretty much, or at least as low as it will show you on that chart. Yeah, in that moment, like there aren't very many play calls for fourth and 17, first of all. And in that moment, I'm thinking just, I don't know, a miracle happened. And then they call a timeout because obviously it's the last play of the game if you don't get it. So Missouri, by the grace of the Florida running back going out of bounds on the to end the uh, know, previous man. drive before Florida kicked the field goal. Mizzou, I mean, I don't, Andy, it's hard to imagine that Mizzou gets that fourth and 17 without that extra 40 seconds to recoup right. and to get that play call exactly spot on. So it can't be understated how pivotal it was that they were able to save that timeout defensively. But fourth and 17 and Luther Burden, I mean, the whole stadium knows it's going to him. How does Luther get that open? What was your, what is your thought process on that? Because mine was just, I sat down in the bleacher and closed my eyes and thought, I don't know, just a miracle. That's all you can hope for at this point. And they they come up with one. The thing is, it was even more surprising because he he ran to the same spot that Theo East was. So, like, if he was covered, you know, like, it, then there's got to be defenders in the area at least close to where Burden was. And so he's coming across. It, it looked a little bit broken, which is why I thought, like, did somebody get mixed up? Is there a flag somewhere? Like, I don't I, – I had no idea how – that play developed so well 
to where Burden is right at midfield. Essentially, just all he's got to do is hop up. He doesn't even have to catch it in stride. He just sat down in a zone, essentially, and and found a way to get it. I And then has the presence of mind to turn up field and actually get into field goal range at that point. But, I mean, the, the way that it all played out from that moment, Brady Cook found the confidence once again. He They continued to be aggressive. They continued to trust him. I think Harrison Beavis oh, probably was great to see. I think Beavis still would have kicked it if they decided, you know what, Burton, you got us far enough. Probably still would have made it, but I'm glad they tried right. to get some more yardage uh, even after uh, Makai Miller's catch uh, with 13 seconds left, you know? Yeah, and I think the reason you had to do it that way, like it wasn't like going into halftime against Tennessee where you were able to call a timeout and kick your field goal, you didn't have the timeout because you burned it going into that 4th and 17 play call, which I think is 100% what they should have done. Again, the game is over if you don't get that right. The odds are long. Make sure you know what it is that you want to do and who you want the ball to go to. Makai Miller's catch was great because it has to be a first down. If it's not a first Mm -hmm. down, suddenly you're scrambling. So for him to just sit down 11 yards beyond where they started to make sure he knew that that was going to stop the clock was pivotal. And then to just take one more shot and just dump it in uh, over the defenders down the sideline to Mookie Cooper and and make it virtually a chip shot for Harrison Mevis, man, that was that was incredible. Even at that moment, though, Andy, you're sending Mevis out. You don't know what could go wrong. Get the snap right. Get everything right. Okay, they kick it. They make it. Man, now everything's great. Just got to stop them for one play. They do, and <laughs> they fireworks do. go off, <laughs> yep. and everybody's excited, and yep. Drinkwitz is being interviewed on TV. Yep. Wait a minute. <laughs> Hold on, what? We got to play another snap? Dude, this game was the craziest, most ridiculous game that I can ever remember. Um, and yeah. that was just one of the many reasons. Have you ever seen anything like There were fireworks. It was over. It was over. I mean, 10 minutes go by. We sang a song about it. <laughs> and then they still made us have another. I mean, I've never seen anything like it in my life, but it was par for the course for this game. Just be glad you survived it. That's the bottom line. Oh, man. 875-KTGR if you want to call or text us here on the show. There were several moments where I'm like, oh, okay, that's a decision, officials. Um, I believe there was a sequence oh, the refs. Oh, late in the grief. first half where they knew what pass interference was but were maybe being a little stringent about it against Mizzou. And then uh, very next possession when uh floor or when florida was on mugged. defense oh yeah yeah oh or somebody gosh. did i can't remember who exactly it was but i, I mean i thought it was bird yeah i thought it was uh yeah florida sideline somebody was absolutely interfered with and all of a sudden the officials forgot what the penalty was and it's all that. there was a couple Look, we, times we go back and happened. forth on these a lot and the officials are the officials you gotta win despite them but it still was kind of uh, a story of this game with where uh, the the reviews that happened. Eli Drinkwitz even mentioned afterward, like, I don't know, there were so many reviews in this game. Man, I can't remember this many reviews. That's the thing that stood out to me. Like, the referees, and there's one other aspect of this game that we do have to talk about, not in a good way. But since you brought up the officiating, it, it's not even, Andy, that every official and every call that's made is is wrong against Mizzou and a bad call. But why is it that every single time, and this happened in the Georgia game too, every single time that there's a close play, they make sure to go to the monitor to review it if it's to take something away from Missouri or make it better for the opponent. Anytime there's something to review on the Florida end, it's like, nope, let's just hey, let's kick the extra point. Let's make let's get rolling here. 
it was always something that could make things worse for Mizzou, with the exception being they took away the bogus targeting call, which was a bad call, because they did everything in their power to not touch the person. But because it was announced as, I assume this is the reason, as like a roughness or a late hit with targeting, they took away the targeting, but they couldn't take away the automatic first down in the penalty itself, even though if you go back to video review, there was there's no penalty. So it's just stuff like that that continues to irk me when it comes to SEC officiating. And you score two touchdowns on a drive that ends in a field goal. I mean, that again, I'm not saying that Luther Burden did hold on to that ball in the corner of the end zone on the tipped pass. I'm not saying that. I don't know what was going on. Maybe you have a better explanation for the Javon Foster being lined up where he was on the Northfleet touchdown that was taken away. Well, I no, no I think that was uh, so Northfleet's was was lined up on the line. I think it was on the receiver that was two Northfleet's left. I think he needed to be off he the line of up. scrimmage. Okay, and so uh, Northfleet was had to be deemed an ineligible receiver because you. It's the way that, you know, if you're eligible... He was uncovered on the line. He was uncovered. Well, he was covered up, and then that made him ineligible, and so they called an eligible man downfield. Either way, it was that, or it was illegal formation, one of the two. But yes, that's kind of a... It's not really on the officials. It's a mental error on on Mizzou line. That one, but it's just one of those things that's like, you score a touchdown, and then you score a touchdown, and neither of them counted, and you have to kick a field goal. Which is not to mention the Cody Schrader first down play got you to the one, but that was a holding that brought you back. Ending that in a field goal where Mizzou goes up 23-21 is the most demoralized I've ever been to have my team take the lead in a game. If that makes sense. Like you, they took the lead, Andy, but it was like, Oh my gosh, how in the world do you not come away with a touchdown on that drive? It's just every which way to be shot in the foot or to do the shooting yourselves. Missouri was doing at the time. Which then brings you to, Andy, this is the worst game the defense played all year. Yeah. Um, it was bad. I mean, it was awful. <laughs> Other than stopping them for a field goal on, at the end there, because if you give up a first down, the game's over. They kick a chip shot and you lose. Sure. They did stop them there. That was the moment you had to have it. But otherwise, these Florida dudes were just running wild, mostly in the run game, but even a little bit of just kind of busted coverage in the pass game. I what do you attribute it to? I think I know the answer, but I'm kind of curious for your thoughts on the defense generally. So, I mean, the, I, I think maybe your answer is Tyron Hopper. Uh, is that is that your thought process with the him Missouri not being out Tigers, there? The Missouri Tigers had a gaping hole where the linebackers normally exist, and it was like that sure. the whole game. So I I tend to agree that, yes, the, the experience there for – for Tristan Newsom, he played well in the last week against Tennessee. Uh, stepped up played really awesome. well, and and this week it was kind of a different challenge. You know, it's, the Eli Drinkwitz talked about you know the maybe the the motions that Florida had showed. They like to motion a lot, and so that kind of confuses your eyes. And if you haven't played a whole lot of linebacker at this level, maybe you get a little bit mixed up and and things break off. Uh, but I don't think it was just on him. Like, it wasn't just him missing tackles. Not one it guy. was, no. yeah, safety's coming up, missing uh, tackles here and there. Um, you know, defensive line not getting home. They had, I think, only one sack. Uh, Darius Robinson no had one. Yeah, it the was. Pre- until that sack by D Rob, there was yeah. no pressure all game. And I don't know if that's the Florida O line was like, wow, they played great. But, man, I just kept remembering every drive it seemed. I'm like, they're not getting a push at all. In the you know when the quarterback's dropping back, 
And then in the run game, it was like there was no second level. Like, it's not just one linebacker's fault. I think they missed the veteran experience of Hopper because, in, and you mentioned that Drinkwood's kind of alluded to, it wasn't, the missed tackles were a thing, but it was amazing how many times a running back would burst through, but the, the linebacker or the defensive back, the star position, whoever it was, he was engaged with somebody like he was trying to be the guy blocking rather than I need to get yeah. through the ball carry. It was like they were very content to just kind of be blocked downfield at the second level, and that's why these gaping holes opened up. So a missed tackle, sure, but it's almost like the, I think it was a, a scheme confusion, the motions. There was something that was clearly wrong because a humongous gaping hole in the middle of the defense almost every time. If they got past the, the line of scrimmage with a run play, it was usually going to go for a big gainer. So yeah, it was it was rough because you had chances to stop them for two, three yard gains, and instead they turned into ten or eleven downfield, and it kept Florida on schedule. You just didn't have as much of a push as you had had uh, in past games. Look, I I think they're somewhat fixable, but I will say, like for uh, for a short week, having to go on the road and you know fit everything in, you've got Thanksgiving. You want to make sure. Uh, players and coaches get time to you know spend with family and things like that. But then you play on Friday afternoon, and I, I think even though Arkansas is clearly an inferior opponent this year, like you need to go and take care of business, start fast, make sure that the run game doesn't beat you for sure. Rocket Sanders is a great running back still, uh, even though they haven't played all that well this year. He hasn't really been healthy all year. So I mean, if he's He's there and and ready to uh, rumble. Then you might have a problem on your hands with that. We'll see. Yeah, if the linebacking core and I know that another thing that scares me is Eli Drinkwitz talking about a bunch of players being questionable for this game. Yeah, that scares me, especially if you don't somehow get Hopper back. It's not to say they can't win without him, but there will have to be an adjustment made by Alan. the. The defense as a whole, and, what, and the other guy, the Chuck game. Hicks, was one of those guys he mentioned. So and he took a big back. shot. Yeah, yeah. So that's where I am. Like, okay, what was the biggest problem from this game defensively? I think that it was just some some scheme oriented, some maybe confusion, just a lack of that like experienced leadership in that group to make sure everybody knew where they needed to be on a given play, and you you then continued to potentially suffer more attrition from that linebacking group. That would be my biggest concern. But, Andy, I mean, we probably haven't spent enough time just focusing on the fact that Missouri did win this game. It was oh, yeah. it was insane. I there was, I mean, there were moments where it just felt like we were kind of watching them lose this game in slow motion. I didn't love the way they ran the offensive drive with about six and a half to go after Florida had scored because you know you still have a lead. You have a chance to bleed the clock out the rest of the way, but Missouri, like, it looked like it thought maybe we want to go fast, but we also know we've got a bleed clock. I think they got kind of caught in the middle, and so that contributes to just the, the, it looked like we were just overwhelmed in the moment, and to bounce back from that the way that they did should not be understated. I almost think benefit going into the Arkansas game to know that, like, hey, you're not untouchable. This Florida team that's, they you know, they're not going to make a bowl game unless they pull off an upset against FSU, you can lose to a team like that on your home turf. That means you certainly know you can lose at Arkansas, a team that's going to be motivated to finish their season on a high note. So if if nothing else, it was the biggest gut check you could possibly imagine for this Mizzou team, Andy. And I feel like that's going to have them ready to go. But part of the attrition and the injury stuff is definitely going to be something to watch as, as we lead into this game. 
you got to have guys ready to step up for guys that may not be ready to play. Yeah, and less time to get them ready, you know, with one less day to work with, and we'll see if Mizzou can overcome that part of it. But, yeah, Drinkwitz mentioned that injuries might play a bit of a factor this week. We'll see as the Tigers get set to take on Arkansas, and you can hear all the coverage right here on KTGR starting at noon on your Black Friday as we've... (laughs) Even with the holiday week, there's plenty of sports to get to, and we'll be uh, tapped into all of it here on uh, on KTGR. You can call or text us with your thoughts on the Mizzou win over Florida at 875-KTGR. We'll also get the thoughts of Bill Connolly of ESPN, what he thought about how that played out between the Tigers and Gators and what he thinks about the battle line rivalry game on Friday. Plus, what's to come during this final week of the regular season in college football. Bill Connolly's thoughts next on The Big Show. You're listening to The Big Show Podcast on KTGR.com. Welcome back on The Big Show. ESPN 100.5 and 105.1 KTGR with Andy Brendan and producer Chris all here. And we're joined now by Bill Connolly of ESPN to talk some college football. You can read his stuff at ESPN.com with your plus subscription and follow him on Twitter at ESPN underscore Bill C. Man, uh, Mizzou just escaped uh, that that game against uh, Florida. It was looking very bleak in the final uh, minute of the game or so, especially on fourth and 17. But then Brady Cook uh, really stepped up big in that moment. And, you know, with Mizzou coming uh, out of that spot, I know their win probability was all the way down to probably a tenth of a percentage point. But just the way that Mizzou was able to find a way somehow to get that win over Florida, I wonder how you took it. Yeah, I mean... Uh, first of all, I was annoyed because Florida all year I've been saying like Florida's better than people think and that, you know, that they're probably capable of pulling off a pretty surprising result. They beat Tennessee early in the year. Uh, and it just kind of seems like they're one of those teams that there are no bad plays. They're only good plays and absolute catastrophes. And if they ever limit those to some degree, they could surprise somebody. And of course it was Missouri that they almost, uh, almost knocked off even even with some catastrophes there in the fourth quarter so that, I, I it was I, I thought pretty clear that Florida was capable of a game like this uh, and Missouri kind of uh, not didn't exactly lose their nerve but really lost control of the game there late right down to fourth and 17 that drive looks super super shaky up until that point then Cook makes that big throw and makes like two more and, and that's the ball game so yeah, they they certainly left it till the last possible second to to turn it back around, but they did so. Yeah, certainly so. And look, Mizzou had a a real chance that they were still moving the football in that game. Both teams went over 500 yards of total offense, but it sure seemed the the thing that kept it close was kind of the red zone efficiency. And I wonder uh, where you maybe saw some of the the breakdowns in in that regard when watching Mizzou try to turn touchdowns in the field goals, but most of the time failing. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, you know, been a random issue. It was, it was an issue against Georgia each of the last two years. Um, season-wide, I don't think the numbers are really all that bad, but it has – maybe that's just a sign that it bites everybody occasionally. Um, no, no, it's, they're not great. They're 72nd, Missouri is, in a red zone touchdown rate. So that's not amazing. But uh, when you have a guaranteed three points or nearly guaranteed three points, it kind of helps you at least a little bit. So, no, I mean, that's – it is kind of interesting when a team that runs the ball well can't execute uh, incredibly well in the red zone. And both of these teams had had very specific red zone failures at inopportune times. But, uh, yeah, I mean, last team with the ball won, I guess. 
Yeah, uh, sometimes it goes that way. Bill Connolly of ESPN with us here on the big show, KTGR and KTGR.com. So, I mean, you, uh, Florida, as you mentioned, you know, they, they can rattle off big plays themselves on offense and they sure did. But, uh, Mizzou defensively, uh, sure seemed like they were missing Tyron Hopper in the game, uh, missing some tackles and, and whatnot. Still maybe nursing that injury this week. We'll see if he can go against Arkansas, but, uh, what about uh, the defense, uh, defensive effort from Mizzou? Maybe gave a little bit of pause of like, well, they showed some improvement the last few games, but now maybe a step back. Yeah, but I can tell you, like on average, it's easier to lose a linebacker than it is, you know, a star defensive end or a star cornerback or whatever. Um, just, you know, in even year to year, when you lose a star at the linebacker position, it doesn't hurt you as much or you're, you're a little more capable of. Uh, recovering from that, but we saw exactly how it can hurt you uh, on Saturday. They they were even doing a nice job on some of the replays of, of showing exactly like, hey, Missouri's linebacker is supposed to be here, or uh, they used misdirection to wrong foot these two linebackers over here, and you, you can kind of see how having uh, not having your best set of, of of linebackers for this game really hurt Missouri at that second level and run defense and everything else. So it, it was it was an interesting game though overall, where Missouri both offense defense look good for a drive and then don't and then do for two drives and then don't for two drives and uh it was it was a heck of a chess match at the end of the day i guess yeah seemed that way and so mizzou uh, exhaling a little bit from that game Uh, the heroics at the end uh, avoid them kind of dropping out of the top 10 it would seem in the college football playoff we'll certainly see how those rankings shake out uh, tomorrow but uh, going into this short week against Arkansas you know a a team that of course they they didn't have the wins there to kind of show progress forward but I mean I keep looking at all the one score games that they were in this year and it seems like a team that's you know is maybe just almost most similar to Florida, where you know they, you know they can have the talent and, and move the football every once in a while, but just have not been able to finish well. Yeah, they've they've been all over the map. No, no question about that. Last four weeks, just on offense, um, looking at their performance next to my uh, SP Plus projections for that game, they underachieved by twenty-seven points offensively, then they overachieved by fifteen, then they underachieved by sixteen, then they overachieved by six. Um, they've just they they've been a moving target, so to speak, when it comes to trying to get a read on what they're capable of. But on the you know on the high end, this is a team that did beat Florida on the road. This is a team that um, lost to Ole Miss by seven, lost to Alabama by three. On the low end, they also lost to Mississippi State. They they lost by thirty eight to Auburn right before Auburn went out and lost by however much to New Mexico State. Yeah. So it, this is. You, you don't like the volatility at this point in the year. They, they're capable of a whole lot of things, and Missouri's going to have to you know, bring the proverbial A game just to be sure they can uh, come away with this one. Yeah, it sure seems that way. Bill Connolly of ESPN with us here on the big show, KTGR and KTGR.com. Uh, what have you maybe seen from K.J. Jefferson this year? Of course, Mizzou's very, very familiar with him at this point. But, uh, again, maybe that same sort of up-and-down feel uh, with this offense for Arkansas. Maybe uh, How do you maybe see him approaching this one? Yeah, he's still really dangerous running the ball. I think maybe they didn't. It, it, it's always really confusing that Sam Pittman um, loses Kendall Browns, replaces him with Dan Enos. That never seemed like a fit that that made a lot of sense. I still don't really understand why he did it. He's already undone it. He's already fired Enos. But um, it seemed like maybe they were trying to 
make a little bit more of a passer out of Jefferson. Uh, he still runs the ball well, but it doesn't seem like he's doing quite as much of it. And just in general, Arkansas is not running the ball as much. And I know, you know, they lost standards for a good chunk of the year there. And, and so maybe it was personnel based, but they just, whatever their strengths were last year offensively, they haven't played to them at all. They either haven't had those strengths or haven't played to, uh, to them at all. And they've been just dreadfully inefficient all season. Um, you do see those moments where, you know, KJ, 18 tacklers bounce off Jefferson and he ends up making, you know, a 22 yard pass downfield or whatever. He's an absolute load to bring down and you know what he's capable of, but he hasn't shown much of that this year. And I don't think his coaching or his personnel have really helped him in that regard. Bill Connolly of ESPN with us here on the big show, KTGR and KTGR.com. So looking forward to that one uh, on Friday and certainly some other games uh, coming up as well. But before we get to some of that, Bill, I mean, it seems that a, a lot of the teams in the top 10 at least, or at least near it, were uh, were fairly solid this week. I don't know how much movement we might see from, from the weekend, maybe based off of how Washington uh, just snuck by Oregon State. I don't know if maybe they get a chance to, to leave frog uh, Florida State and of course very unfortunate situation for them going forward with the injury to Jordan Travis but I guess as far as the college football playoff rankings for you know the top five or ten would you expect really a whole lot of shuffling at all this week I really don't. I mean, we could see Washington and Florida State flip. In the end, that doesn't matter because if both teams went out, they're in. Um, I guess it matters. You know, you might play a different team in the in the semifinals. But, yeah, that's that's really the only movement I see. I don't think Oregon's going to drop from being the, the top-ranked one-loss team after they you know were up on Arizona State. It felt like 28 nothing in about four minutes. Um, they dominated. Texas did its part, played its role. We know they'll be ahead of Alabama since the, the committee does value head-to-head in those specific situations. Um, and, you know, Louisville, you know, not doing amazing against Miami, even if the committee wanted to punish Missouri a little bit for, for struggling against an unranked Florida team, Louisville didn't really do all that much better. So, yeah, I would say 1 to 10, other, other than maybe flipping Washington and Florida State, I don't really see uh, any potential movement there because nobody lost. Everybody everybody just keeps plugging forward here, and we have a, a giant mass of, uh, of teams still heading to the final two weeks. Yeah, and uh, those massive games will eventually decide what that looks like uh, in the top uh, five or four, most importantly, and then uh, the rest of the top ten. And, of course, the the big one this weekend with Ohio State and Michigan on, on Saturday at noon. Uh, both teams look fairly solid enough. I know Michigan maybe uh, had a little bit of a scare at Maryland this week, uh, just snuck by that game. But, uh, of course, the fact that they uh, ended up checking the box there, they now have a chance to uh, to stay undefeated if they can get past Ohio State. But, I mean, just the, the read on that game with now all the anticipation finally about to end and we're about to see it uh, happen here in a few days, what's kind of the way that you see this one playing out? Yeah, I'm really curious about the fact that, you know, Michigan, even before Jim Harbaugh's suspension, that Purdue game was the first time they really didn't just absolutely mercilessly handle their business uh, in quite a while. Um, but these last three weeks now, as mentioned in performance against SP Plus, the last three weeks they're minus six uh, points per game compared to projections after just demolishing all projections like the month before that. It, it, maybe that's a distraction thing with, with all the Spygate stuff going on. Maybe it's just that uh, opponents have finally figured out how to land some blows here um, 
after after they were basically untouchable for the first two months? I don't really know the answer, but it has been interesting because if trends play a role at all, Ohio State's trending in the right direction here, and Michigan might be trending a little bit of the wrong one. But maybe that just offsets the fact that Michigan looked like the clearly better team until about three weeks ago, and this will be a pretty tight game. We'll see. I um it's been a fascinating series. It's been a fascinating few years watching the momentum, not just kind of shift back and forth, but, you know, absolutely surge back and forth. And, um, you know, Ohio State has spent the last 52 weeks preparing for this and trying to get their defense in position to where they don't get hit by those big plays like they did last year. They've been awesome. These might be the two best defenses in the country. But, uh, yeah, we'll see if there's another uh, momentum surge in, uh, in store here. We shall see. Uh, That'll be the big one that everyone's glued to this weekend. And, of course, everybody else uh, mostly just trying to make sure that they uh, don't stumble right before championship weekend. I know Oregon will have a tough test in their rivalry game against Oregon State. And I'm sure the Beavers, uh, with their uh, uh, knowing that it was just right in front of them uh, last week against Washington, I'm sure still a lot of motivation uh, to maybe unseat Oregon at this point. Yeah, that's that's the that's the big one. Oregon State has a really good run game. They kind of it, it felt just circumstantially strange watching that game play out the other day, where Oregon really did run the ball as well as I expected them to, but just in key moments they blinked, they faltered, and Washington was able to obviously with the turnovers. Uh, the, Washington secondary is very good and got the turnovers they needed, but yeah, it was. In the end, they needed one one more bounce, and, and we would have had a really, really funky situation here for the last week of the Pac-12 race. But, yeah, now it's just a question of whether Oregon State, I guess, can – well, I guess, no, I was going to say, you know, technically Arizona is still involved in this race. So, if, if so Oregon State can knock Oregon completely out of both the playoff race and maybe the Pac-12 race if uh, things break right. That's, that's probably plenty of motivation with everything else that's gone on over these last few months. Probably so, and uh, it could get interesting if that does end up happening uh, in the Pac-12. We'll see as it uh, gets uh, underway this weekend. Always great to chat with Bill Connolly of ESPN uh, for all things college football. You can read his stuff at ESPN.com with your Plus subscription and follow him on Twitter at ESPN underscore Bill C. Bill, thanks for coming on as always. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Enjoy the week, and we'll talk again soon. Absolutely. You too. The big show is on at 439, KTGR and KTGR.com. And once again, it's looking like a college football weekend that look like a lot of these rivalries, except for Michigan, Ohio State, a lot of them are kind of in-state rivalries, Florida, Florida State, Georgia, Georgia Tech. You kind of know who's got the upper hand in a lot Missouri, of these Arkansas. games. Missouri, Arkansas, you know. On paper, I mean, yeah, you, on you paper, know all those exactly games. what's going to happen there. But there are a couple, like, again, Michigan, Ohio State, obviously, is going to be a big one. But Oregon, Oregon State has some real juice this year for the CFP. It really does. Uh, Oregon State darn near got it done against Washington, fell yeah. a little bit short. But you know they're still going to be excited about that matchup. And as you mentioned, there are teams like Texas probably watching very closely. There are, are definitely some teams, maybe even Alabama in that in that mix that are gonna go, okay, what's uh what who's who's gonna who's gonna drop Oregon and just make sure that nobody is in our way here for what we're trying to make happen. There could be uh, a lot of eyeballs uh, on that game coming up this weekend. So looking forward to the slate. We will get to next how we did on the prior slate in the picks of the week. Well, there's a huge pending matchup this week that kind of determines uh, what uh, who the winner is. There's a game still left. There is oh, still a game who plays. left. Wonder who plays. Uh, 
Kansas City and Philadelphia. Oh, are we talking about what sport is that? UMKC even... and uh, yeah, and Temple. Is that it? I think Temple. I think is that's going who in. it is. Yeah. yeah, I got UMKC like that one. Do you really? Okay, yeah. good. Okay. Uh, all Go right, Roos. we'll get to our picks of the week recap next, and then under the bus here on the Big Show. You are listening to the Big Show podcast on KTGR.com. Hey there, it's Andy, Brendan, and producer Chris here on the Big Show, ready to recap how we did. On the picks of the week. Not well, right? Isn't that the Not very well. largely <laughs> the answer <laughs> That's, most uh, weeks? Uh, most weeks. You got it correct once again. Not very well. Uh, at we the, suck at this. <laughs> we, we, <laughs> we're so bad. <laughs> at the moment, Brendan is in the lead at two and two. Woo! That's yeah! pretty good. <laughs> uh, oh, I am one and three, goodness. and Chris uh, is one and four for the week. And tonight, uh, with Chiefs Eagles, uh, I am on the Chiefs minus two and a half, and and Brendan is on I don't plus even... two and a half for the Eagles. And you might say, well, Brendan could still go three and two. Why is he so down in the dumps about it? Like, I don't want the Chiefs to lose, but I, <laughs> you know, I've, I've take, getting those points with the Eagles at plus two and a half felt like the right side to me. I'm almost rooting against myself just to see the Chiefs be able to pull off this big win. Maybe get back to another Super Bowl. This would be a really uh, compelling victory if they can get it. But the only way I go three and two is if the Chiefs have a little bit of trouble tonight with Philly. So yeah, that's a bummer. I I took Mizzou like that part. Whatever. I I mean I always, you, you were going to take them anyway. You know I hate taking Mizzou when they're such a big favorite because again, do you think I was upset about the way the game played out? No, they won. No, like, they won. I, yeah. I had issues with it, but the fact that they got the win was the dominating thought in my mind, and then I come back to this and go, oh, yeah, I picked them, so I end up, you know, getting docked in picks of the week. Tennessee was, I was overthinking it. I don't know what I was, I don't know what I was doing with that against Georgia. <laughs> that was a freebie for you, Andy. That was the one we uh, we challenged each yeah. other on that you did get me on, so congrats on that one. But, yeah, boys, we got to pick it up collectively, regardless of uh, of what happens tonight. Got to get back to the drawing board, I think. Yeah, we'll see if that happens this next week with Thanksgiving uh, the big slate of uh, college football and NFL to get to earlier in the week. Yeah, we'll see. We picking we pick Wednesday then? Is that the deal? Yeah, we'll pick on Wednesday. Yeah. Okay. Whoa, 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 Thanksgiving whoa. games. Yeah. Yeah, because I want to get those. I want to get those Thanksgiving games. Is Chris Hashby going to be day. here this time? You think? No comment. Oh, no comment. Because no the last comments. couple weeks, I. Again, historically, your picks have suffered a little bit when you're absent on Fridays, and I know sometimes it's beyond your control. But man, I would think for the picks of the week's sake, you might want to get get your butt in that chair on Wednesday. I don't know. I guess we'll just have to see in like 48 hours from now. That's very true. Yeah, for 48 hours. Only one way to find out. You don't have a whole lot of time to get these picks ready, man. Not a lot of time. And while we're doing this, though, do we uh, we we drafting foods again this year? Is that is that in the? We will draft. Uh, in let's the cards draft here? foods tomorrow. We'll do that okay. tomorrow. We got time. Tomorrow. Oh boy, well, yeah. I'm not even ready for that. But yeah, yeah, we we got to talk Mizzou and the Hogs on on Wednesday. We we can't. Uh, we no, can't. Yeah, we won't mo- have... sully it up with our silly food talk that I'll destroy you in again. I think I won last year. I have no Check idea. Me on that who though, won last I can't. Year. Yeah, I have absolutely no clue. But, Every year I think I win because I know my plate is the best plate, whether you know the voters agree or not. That's well, always kind of my I thought mean, process. I think your whatever plate you have on Thanksgiving Day, actually, instead of what we draft here, is probably what's going to be best. But it's what know. matters the most. Yeah, exactly. Or you always are going to pick the items you want, but it's all about supremacy on the radio. So we gotta 
we got to hit we'll, it hard. We'll get to that coming up tomorrow, so you can uh, be ready for our Big Show Thanksgiving draft sometime tomorrow here on the Big Show. It's time to go under the bus on the Big Show. Well, the Chargers lost the Packers. <laughs> my goodness. This was an ugly game from, Speaking of my picks. from uh, Chargers. Yeah, Chris had Chargers minus three, didn't he? This wasn't even uh, Chris's fault. How should no, yeah. you know that the receivers are going to drop every ball Johnson, that is thrown friend. to them? I'm going to have that to replay terrible. the tape of me saying I'm not going to hedge my bets on the Chargers earlier in picks of the week. And then fast forward to now where I actually do it. This is what I get. I don't listen to my own advice. Anyways. Well... There were definitely those problems of receivers dropping passes that were hit by Justin Herbert right in the hands. You know what? And uh, Herbert's got to stop doing that. Throwing at those poor guys' hands. I know. Like, the, what is the, he doing The, the gall. The gall Terrible. of the man. Don't you know how to play quarterback? You don't, put it right, you don't put it right on the money. But anyway, uh, it wasn't just that. But it was the defense making Jordan Love look like an actual NFL quarterback. Um, Brandon Staley... In charge of that defense, the play caller and the head coach, he was asked, well, are you going to keep uh, doing defensive play calling the rest of the way? And he got a little testy. I have full confidence in our way of playing. Full confidence in myself as the play caller and the way that we teach and the way that we scheme. Full confidence in that. we got to bring this group together and do it consistently. Okay, And that's where it's at. So you can stop asking that question. Okay. I'm going to be calling the defenses, okay? So we're clear. So you don't have to ask that again. Okay. Sure. What was even so great about it is I don't even think the reporter got a chance to ask that question. They were kind of leading toward it of like, what do you change? What do you got to do? It's kind of been, you know, stale like this. And Brandon Staley clearly had that on the mind because he's the one I think that brought up the play calling aspect of it, even though that was kind of probably the reporter's implication, yeah. and not unfairly so. We've seen it work with Drinkwitz, right? Take away the play-calling duties, be able to focus on the job as the CEO of the program, or in this case, the NFL team, and Brandon Staley's like, nope, that's my job, Fight me. and you're not taking it away from me. Don't he's, well, and he's also like implying that, oh, it's it's my job, and, and the scheme's fine. You know, it's not the scheme, but it's the players. And he didn't necessarily and say that, but that was the implication. I hate it when college coaches do that. NFL coaches, it's like, it's true that your receivers honestly should be able to catch passes and you'd score two additional touchdowns than what you got in the game if they if they weren't so terrible. But at the same time, you have to get up there as the head coach and talk with the media. And clearly, he was a little bit on edge and did so, uh, and, and that was the result. Yeah. I, I think he's getting fired at the end of the oh, year. Yeah, because it wasn't that just there. that question oh. either. There were several other answers where he was very standoffish. With we're going to miss him. Uh, the we're going to miss him, but not really. Uh, <laughs> I had such really. hope, and he's just I'm gonna hasn't gotten him. it done. Under the bus. Usually how it goes uh, when you get testy with the reporters in a press conference like that. And under the bus to whoever was running the social media team for, I guess this was Duke football. Graphics department. Yeah, the graphics department had a very uh, elaborate graphic up, you know, previewing their matchup against Virginia on the road. And to preview their matchup with Virginia, they had a graphic that had a map laid out. And the map was centered in on the state of West Virginia instead of uh, Virginia. There's two Virginias. There are two Virginias. Time. To make That's matters worse, I think in the graphic they also spelled they misspelled the word Virginia. Uh, so 
that was uh, even adding to it. Uh, but the fact that they, whoever was uh, working social media for Duke, a very fine ap- academic school, needed to go and... <laughs> they got a geography department out there? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know if they do. They got Spellcheck out there? Yeah. Don't know. It's kind of funny because I went to Twitter to try to search to find the original graphic that I'm sure has since been reposted. And uh, the the top thing that popped up was someone being super excited to accept a full-time position with Duke as a graphic designer. So I'm uh, oh. hoping it wasn't that poor fellow. Oh, no. That's not, that's not a recent post, but it's just like maybe that was the guy that did it wrong. I won't give his name out because he probably feels bad enough if it was him. But uh, goodness gracious, not not what you want. Not a great way to uh, Under the bus. try and build the resume of uh, well, your you social know. media portfolio. But. Who knows? It could have been anybody that posted that, you know, graphic. Who could say who it really was? It's time for the sweetest thing in sports on The Big Show. Sweetest thing is with our friends at the Candy Factory. They have the perfect gifts this holiday season for your coworkers, your customers, for your business. So get them this holiday season at the Candy Factory in downtown Columbia, online at thecandyfactoryonline.com. Well, even though it was a close win for Mizzou, they still garnered several weekly awards from the SEC. Brady Cook, your co-offensive player of the week. Huh, the SEC remembered that they can do that this week. You can do co's. Look at that. Who knew? Uh, offensive lineman of the week was Xavier Delgado. He was great uh, the other day. And Harrison Mevis, of course, with the game-winning field goal. That was one of his four field goals on the night. Well-deserved honors Can for I all three baby. of them. Oh, yeah. Dude, he was awesome. And I know that maybe all the kicks weren't super lengthy or whatever. They were clutch kicks. Mizzou needed every single point that they that they picked up in that game. So props to Mevis, man. He had another heck of a night helping him. Helping them advance oh. another game-winning field goal to his resume. Well, and again, the, not too many college football teams out there. I mean, there, there are several in big-time college football that can't say that 40 yards in is automatic for them. Like, but we, we, it is for Mizzou. To be yeah. Able to, yeah, to be able to just take a lot of those kind of things for granted. I didn't take anything for granted on the final 30-yarder because I, I figured if it was any kind of game that was going to result in something weird about to happen, it'd be this one. But ice in his veins, can't ice him for that reason, right through the uprights. Uh, what a win. Man, it was something else for uh, for Mizzou football. You can keep texting in your thoughts at 875-KTGR to uh, tell us what you thought about that close win for Mizzou. But up next, we got to talk Super Bowl rematch, Chiefs and Eagles, who you got and why you got them. We'll talk about that at 505. And, man, what the heck happened to Mizzou men's hoops last night against Jackson State? We'll talk about that at 525. You're on the big show.